Okay, today we're talking about words um, and the fact that words do have power um, and, and words aren't necessary. Uh, it's going to continue a little bit from last week how basically how God prepared John's parents to speak into John's life so that John could pronounce Jesus. And so there was a challenge for us that we as both parents and also people that are mentoring other Christians or even encouraging people to come to faith, we do need to actually actively continue to prepare them and to speak into their lives. Okay? If you think that your kids are going to get everything to know about God by just watching you, you will be mistaken. Like, they, they will pick up elements of that. And again, your words need to match the life that you are living. That, that is, you don't want to say you need to love everyone and then you basically fight with everyone you come across. The kids will get a mixed message. They'll, they'll understand love in a very different way. It's also that idea that, okay, well, I can just communicate the way I'm feeling just by the way I Because if I put the challenge out to you there and say, I want you to thank me without using words um, and just to sit there and just extend your thoughts to me. I, I'm not going to get you to do it because I can imagine some people would make kind of weird facial expressions that I could interpret a numerous kind of way. Like, I'm going, well, they've got a belly upset or there's something going on with them right now or maybe they're really upset. Maybe they don't. But we need words to be able to communicate that kind of thing. And so there is an importance when it comes to words. And so that's something that, again, I, I remember like with a parent of little, little kids, little babies, and they'd be crying during the night or crying during the day or crying before they went to bed and crying when they woke up. And the thing is, they were hungry or they needed a nappy change or they were tired or they had gas or something else was going wrong. They just wanted to cuddle. But the only way they could communicate was crying. And there were many times that I'm going, I don't know what you want. Or would you just say what you want? And I'd make it so much easier. With my kids, I bet they would have said, oh, we just want to cry to annoy you, Dad. They would because they've grown into that very well. But, but the thing is, then we get to toddlers who've got some words, but they can't fully express themselves. Caleb often says, I don't have the words, is what he says to us. I don't, I don't, know what, I don't have the words to say what you want me to say. But then as parents, we're actually very active with our kids. And we say, they'll, someone will give them something. What do you say? Thank you. We've got to be really, we've actually got to teach them the right words to say. Sorry. Like, I'm not sorry, but I've got to say the word to get myself out of trouble. But they need to learn the words because words are important. And I then I sort of imagined well, people that are deaf and they don't have the opportunity to hear words. Like they, they communicate, but they, they, they need to learn that and it becomes a lot harder um, to do it. Or maybe husband and wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or parents and teenager, the silent treatment. I'm going to communicate what I want to say by saying absolutely nothing. And so people sit there in silence or, or lie there in silence or slam doors and then be silent afterwards and I'm going to communicate absolutely nothing so you know what I'm saying. It doesn't work, does it? There's been plenty of times where I'm going, I have no idea what's going on, but I think I'm in trouble. I've done something, but I don't know what it is. And so, again, words become so important. Words are important because they communicate a message. And in the Christian sense, they are important because they communicate the message. The Gospel 
It's simple enough so that most of us can understand it. I think Jesus understood where we're at. He's a realist and he goes, I need a simple message for simple people. Okay, otherwise, but the thing is, even so, we still miss it at times. We, we miss the idea that Jesus came to save us from our sins. He extends grace to us. He wants to forgive us. He wants to change us. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to live free. Well, a lot of simple statements, and yet sometimes we we'll sit around scratching our heads and go, I'm not sure what I'm meant to be doing. But the words are, are, are the message that we're meant to be communicating. And what we need to realise is that um, not only are words important, words actually have power. Um, which is why it's titled that, that today, Words Have Power. And, and so going back to the story that, uh, that Bert just read out to us, uh, the second part of, of the first chapter of Luke, right before the Christmas story, this is where this story is, right before the Christmas story, in fact, Mary actually came, uh, while she was pregnant, Mary actually came and stayed with Elizabeth and may have even been there when John was born. She stayed with Elizabeth for, for three months, so she either left just before John was born or just after. So, so she would have saw, seen that, and she would have been six months pregnant at that time. So maybe she went, oh, yep, yeah, two pregnant women, after three months, I'm going to leave you with baby John, I'll go home and have baby Jesus. But what happens, it comes up to the point where all of a sudden Elizabeth gives birth and... One of the things I was reading this week, it, it's, it's strange that the Bible at times, it, it sort of portrays pregnancy as very easy. Like John, John has this discussion with the angel and it takes like most of the, or half the chapter. Elizabeth is pregnant for nine months and it takes two verses. And Elizabeth was pregnant, she gave birth, everything was easy. So I, I know from my own experience or from my family's experience, that's not always the case. So, but that's the way it's... It's written in the Bible. But anyway, John is born and we see this story where basically on the eighth day, they have a party for him. Uh, not a party that John was looking forward to, but um, a circumcision party. And, and here he goes to the temple and he actually does it to receive his name. And so the custom was, we're going to call him Zachariah Jr. We're going to call him um, Zachariah number two. And all the, all the extended family that were excited for this time we're looking forward to this um, and, and, and basically we're going to call him John. Now, again, first bit of electronics in the Bible, John um, Zachariah reaches for his tablet, types it up and like, he knows it being very, because he was an older person and he was really up with technology, so, so Zachariah is doing really well and he actually types out John, he disagrees with all the extra fam and as soon as he did this he could actually speak. Nine months of silence and all of a sudden he could speak. And the, the, I suppose the great testament to Zechariah, the first thing he did was, not, oh, I can finally talk, hey, that, that, the grass is too long or the house is down pain or why haven't you sort of, I've had a scratch in my middle of the back and you kept missing it. No, he praised God. The first thing he did when he had the opportunity to speak was to praise God. And people were amazed by it. They were so amazed because basically what happened, we see in, in um, verses 64 and 65, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak praising God. And fear or wonder came on all those who lived around them and all these things were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. 
Fear in that sense is not being afraid, it's being in awe, in respect, being amazed. That is so awesome, I, whoa, blows my mind kind of uh, idea. And so all of a sudden, the fact that John was, uh, Zachariah was suddenly speaking and actually could put together and say, this is what's actually happened. This is why I couldn't speak. This is what happened and, and this is who John's going to be and this is so amazing. And the people were amazed by it. Why? Because words have power. Words have a significant thing that they can do in people's lives. And, and we see that when we, as parents, as people that have influence over others, we can see the long-term effect when we pour our, our, our strong words over people. You can see it when someone's in a race and they're, they're running along and they've got people cheering them along. Like, you can do it. You can make it. And you can take it on board. You can see it on a football field where, where the, the people are, the team is, is getting the crowd behind them and all of a sudden they can do no wrong because, and all of a sudden their tired legs are full of energy again and they, they feel like they can overcome. It can be the quiet encouragement that as a parent, achieving and starting a new venture, riding a bike or, or learning to swim or, or doing, reading a book and, and they are, you're doing a great job. Keep going. You can, and all of a sudden, a m couple of months go by and all of a sudden they pick up a book and they read it themselves and, and you are quietly cheering in yourself going, my words over them have poured, given that, that power to achieve. How much more when we actually use the words that God wants us to use in those around us. To speak his words of power into the lives of those that we are, um, that we are living with. Because what we need to realise is that well-timed words, they actually bring life. I suppose the opposite statement is true. Ill-timed words can actually sort of take away from people. Uh, we, we need to be careful of that. Like I'll start there because we need to be careful because sometimes our criticism of something or someone or um, a child or, or something else can actually rob that person of their desire to go forward in that thing. And I've seen it happen. I, I'm pretty sure I've done it to other people. Where you say something you may not have intended to say it and all of a sudden they've gone, fine, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to even try. I'm going to give up. I'll try. I'll go somewhere I'm appreciated. And so we need to make sure that we are careful with our words when we use them. That does not mean that we can't say anything negative at times. Like when I say, And when I say negative, I mean positively negative, like we, we're wanting to bring about a good change. Sometimes we, if we're just critical for the sake of being critical and, and like you can say, oh, we need to change this and then you change it and they go, oh, well, we need to change this and that's not good enough anyway. If you like that, that's just rubbish. But if we want to be positively critical of actually go, hey, we want to make this change and to make this change we might need to do this and you individually, you might need to do that. If you want to ride your bike better, handlebars go at the front. Don't ride it with the handlebars behind you. It won't work. That's, that's positively negative. You're, you're riding it the wrong way. You've got to hop on the bike the right way. And so we need to understand that well-timed words can bring life. And in Luke 1.66, um, it said, All who heard about him took it to heart, saying, What then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand was with him. The amazing thing was, all the people that saw John actually went, oh, God's got a big plan on him. He's, gonna, he's, he's got the possibility to do great things. He was only the forerunner. 
Do you get that concept? The people were amazed at the birth of John and who he was going to become. He was the guy that was just going to announce the big Puna. He was the guy who was going to announce the king. He was the one who was going to announce the redeemer and the saviour of the world. He was the one who was going to do that and people were amazed at him. And all of a sudden... Like, so sometimes people need to look at us and be amazed by what God is doing in our lives so that we can point to the one who's done such amazing things in our lives. If we are in a position where we are sort of living life and we are miserable, we are complainers, we, um, we point the blame at everyone else for our problems, if we look, people look at us and go, oh, where is the joy in our life? And then we sort of say, but I'm a Christian and I thank God for my life. Going, well, Jesus is not doing a really good job there. That's basically what they'll think. That's what they'll see. But if we're in the midst of trial and tribulation and struggle, saying, God, oh, thank you for this day. This is a new day. I've got new things that I can be doing, new things I can be experiencing, and even though it's going to be tough, I thank you for the strength you're going to give me. And people will see you in your workplace going, how do you keep on going with all that stuff going in life? I thank God for the strength that he gives me. And then they sit back and go, well, what amazing God that you serve. You see the difference there? Well-timed words come from a well-lived life. But the thing is, sometimes we need to make sure we take the opportunity of the words that we can share. Because sometimes there will be opportunities for us to share direct words of life. And that doesn't mean just the gospel. It could be encouraging someone and actually coming alongside. I see you're doing it tough. Don't worry. God is not leaving you. God is not leaving you in this mess. God is with you. God is going to carry you through. Trust in God. Or, hey, like, you're not alone. There's a whole lot of things we could say to people at different times of their life saying, hey, to bring in life into their, into their world. Because what we need to realise is that words can shape reality. Now we see that in a negative way because basically there is a way that you can, and you can watch media, you can watch all these other things and all of a sudden what happens is that whoever's telling the story, they're telling their version of the truth and some people will buy into that truth and some people buy into that truth and some people buy into that truth. And I sit back and I go, do you know what? Not all of this can be true. Some of it needs to be wrong, but basically we won't listen to anything each other has to say and so we just keep going around in circles. And so we, we need to let our words shape um, the reality of, of, of that around us. So Proverbs 18.21, uh, it's up on the... It's up on the, um, um, the PowerPoint there. I want you to read it out with me. Ready? One, two, three. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words can shape reality, both for good and both for bad. Like, so you tell a child he's stupid, they will believe that. They will. And they'll actually believe that a lot quicker rather than the fact of saying, hey, you can do this, you are smart, you can overcome. It takes a lot more of, of those words to actually to, to shape that reality. Sometimes we will say to people that you, 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 can't, you can't take on that, uh, that responsibility, you're, you're just not good enough. You, you, you won't be able to ever sort of amount to much. You should have do something a little bit easier uh, in your life. And all of a sudden you feel crippled emotionally 
because you can't be the person you want to be. But the thing is, if we flip it around and, and we actually live in a way where we're wanting to lift up people, um, and you, you can see when, um, after uh, John was baptised, um, Zachariah actually went and prophesied over his son. Uh, it continues on after where Bert finished up. And in verse 76, he actually said, A new child will be called a prophet of the Most High. Eight days old, he said in front of this crowd of people that this child will be the prophet of the Most High. Now that being said, do you think that's the only time that Zachariah ever said that to John? Who thinks that was the only one and only time he said that to John? No, I, okay. Who thinks he said it more? Who, who doesn't know what I'm talking about right now? Because a, a lot of people didn't know this. Okay, so if Shakespeare wants to put up your hands, if, so, anyway. But I believe that John would have been, when, when he was a toddler and he was putting him to bed, he would have been putting John, putting John to bed as a toddler and all of a sudden he would have said, you are going to be a prophet of the Most High, little Johnny. You're going to be a prophet of the Most High. And when he was six and, and maybe John was getting up to mischief and saying, John, hey, you know that's going to impact your life. You know God has a purpose for you. You are going to be a prophet of the Most High. And he becomes a teenager and he's saying, what am I going to do with my life? And Zacharias come alongside him again and say, John, remember God has, has, has prepared you for something great. You are going to be a prophet of the Most High. I can see Zacharias speaking over him over and over again and because our words can shape reality. Maybe we're finding people that, um, again, teenagers can have this and, and the, uh, the idea of self-image becomes this real struggle in our life and we see verses like Psalm 139 uh, verse 14. You are remarkably and wonderfully made. Do you speak that truth into to people around you who are doubting the creator's sort of intricate detail in their life? When people think they're not good enough? Do we speak that word of truth into their life and change their reality to the right reality? You are remarkably and wonderfully made. God says so. God has made you that way. Maybe you find people that are in the middle of a struggle and, and they just can't find it. It can be a struggle like my boss is on my back or my kids are on my, like just in my face or I, I don't have money to pay my bills or I don't know what to do next in my life. I am struggling. And Philippians 14 speaks to that. You can do all things through him who gives you strength. It's not like... Um, it's not like half a phrase. It's that there's that sticker that's around on cars to encourage women. Women can do anything. Well, this is actually more... It's not talking just to women. It's talking to everyone saying, you can do anything and then becomes the important thing through him who gives you the strength to do anything. Okay? Like sometimes we think we only take the first bit. You can do anything. And we go out and we go, I'm going to conquer the world. And we're not really even trying to conquer the world for Jesus. We're trying to conquer the world for us. I'm going to conquer the world so I can look good. And we go out and slap in our face. The first door slammed in our, in our face. And we go, what happened there? Like, why, where did that opportunity dry up? Why can't I do this anymore? God, why have you let me down? Well, you didn't go in my strength. You went in your own. And there's a sub-clause there. God's saying, man, you're weak. That's what God is saying. I'm strong. You're weak. You need me. Take me with you. You'll never lose with me on your side. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So words can um, basically shape uh, a reality. 
And so it becomes something that is, is um, really important in that sense. But we also need to remember that words can steer a destiny. Again, we see that in the life of John, where he sort of said, you will be a prophet of the Most High. And for you, and then it continues on, he says, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. John was getting a clear idea of what his purpose in life was. And again, like, I, I sat back and wondered this week, would I, would have I liked to have that clearer destiny? Like, did I, because I think there's been some times I went, it was good to be able to discover my purpose. I, I loved the adventure of doing that. But there were plenty of times when I don't know what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to get there. So I'm not sure whether that was the mixed bag for John, but John, throughout his life, his father spoke over him, spoke about what God had done, and, and even when he looked back through scriptures and saying, John, you know what? Your life has been spoken about in God's word for thousands of years. You've got a purpose. And those words would have steered a destiny. We actually jump down to verse 77 and it says in, in Luke um, verses 76 and 77, he says, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because that's what the angel told, his, um, told him about his son. When John was in the Holy of Holies, the angel had given him that message. So this is the thing we need to take away. God planned it. God set it in motion. Because some of us think if God has planned something, it's just going to happen. Well, God did plan it. He spoke about it thousands of years before, but then Zechariah encouraged it. He actually was on the ball and he was encouraging his son. He was making sure right from his naming and to proclaiming his purpose that this is the plan that God has for you. And then we see the result. We see the result in John's life because words can steer a destiny in, in Luke verses 1.80. And the child grew up and became spiritually strong. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Sounds like someone who's claimed the destiny that God had for him. He sounded like he was ready. He grew up spiritually strong. He was ready to do what God intended him to do. And John didn't know how that was going to turn out. He really, I don't think, he didn't have this idea of like, okay, I'm going to do this for a little while and then I'm going to get promoted up and I'm going to live on forever with the new king. He didn't know that he was going to be beheaded along the way and that he, he was going to be successful and then his success was going to go to the one, because he was successful, it went to the one that was deserving all the attention. All of a sudden his importance to the crowd became less as Jesus rose up. John would have been... He wouldn't have even been any more than 30 when all this stuff was happening. As Jesus sort of took over in success. But that's what God prepared him for. And so the words that were spoken over him can steer a destiny. And I think that, that puts a challenge on us. Because that's why I want to make sure that... Because words can, can sort of change reality and words can steer a destiny. And so we need to actually make sure that we're actually speaking the right words in the right places to the right people so that we can do that for them. So parents, that's on you. You have the opportunity and the responsibility to shape their reality and to steer their destiny. For those who are, are witnessing to, to friends and family and, and workmates, same thing. You have the opportunity and the responsibility to change their reality and to steer their destiny. 
the destiny to come and know that they are a child of God. To know that they have freedom and forgiveness from sin. Know that they have a purpose and they have an eternity because of Jesus Christ. That's steering them to a, a destiny. But the thing is, as I, I challenge all of you to, to actually live out a lifestyle where you are bringing words of life and words of power to those around you, what we need to understand is that we need to take in God's word to give out God's word. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? We need to take in so that we have something to give out. Because I, I found over time that I can only take people as far as I've gone. So if I get to a point in my Christian life where I'm here, I can't take people any further than that. If I, if I become stuck, if I become, maybe I accept my maturity level at that point, maybe I'm sort of feeling like I've, I've made it, I plateau here, and people, they might outgrow me, but I won't take them there. So we need to keep filling our lives with what we, what we need so that we can give that out. And church becomes part of that. It's part of that. I'm going to emphasise part. So when you are here, if you are open to what God is doing in this place, then God will fill up your tank a bit. We have our small groups. Again, part of that. If you go along, you're ready to listen, ready to contribute, ready to learn, ready to receive what God has for you, fills up your tank a bit more. But then the responsibility does fall back to you because to take in God's word, you need to get into God's word. If you want to, want to know what God is saying to you, you need to pick up your Bible and you need to read it in a way, you need to read it in a relational way and an instructional way. It's not, it's not an informational way. Like it, You might know stuff about the Bible, but you don't know the one who wrote it. You might know stuff about the Bible, but you don't do what it tells you to do. Well, that's important. Those things are important. And so you need to open up God's word for the purpose of letting it change you through the power of the Spirit. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. As I said, words are powerful. The word of God is even more powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Has anyone ever been reading their Bible and all of a sudden God puts his finger, fingertip on something in our life saying, you need to work on that. And then you try and turn the page and move on and go, I'm going to ignore that. Like, that must have been the devil telling me that. Like, I'm going to ignore him. And God said, go, go back to that verse again. Read it again. I don't want to. Because it's going to tell me something I don't want to do. Oh, Keith, when you, with that attitude you had towards those people, you need to work on that. But God, they deserved it. Did you see what they did? And you have the, you can, I don't know, maybe you don't have these monologues, or not monologues, a dialogue with God through these times. But as we read God's word, God will say, hey, you need to change this. Now that's God being polite with us. You don't want to get to the point where God is less polite. Because he, he goes, instead of using the God's word, he might use God's 4 2 And it becomes a little bit of a different exercise. But you want, to, you want to let God speak into you and go, you know what, I'm, I'm, so, I'm getting closer to God that I'm going to respond to this and I'm going to change that part of my life through the power of God. I want to do that. But Psalm 119 verse 11, again, just a great verse to speak on this. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. It doesn't say I've hidden all the information from the latest movies in my heart so that I know what's, I can have a conversation with my friends. I have hidden all the information about technology 
in my heart so that I know how to program my TV so I can watch all the latest movies. I've hidden all the information about the best and greatest cars in the world so I can sort of at least know what I'm talking about when I stand around a car with other guys. I can point at it and go, oh, that's a wheel. That's a steering wheel. Yeah, I'm in with these guys. The thing is, we hide a lot of stuff in our hearts. We don't hide the Bible in our heart enough. And so I just, I would just pause and just pause for a second. Again, I brought it up at the start of the year. Um, the Vision Radio has got the Treasury Project running this year. One, one verse a week comes out and with a challenge to memorise that. So at the end of the year, you'll have 52 um, uh, verses in, in memorised. Now, for most of you, I think the first three or four are ones that you would know already. So if you jump in now, you'll probably be able to catch up real easy. But like, the whole purpose is to hide God's word in our heart. Why? So we will not sin against God. Here's the principle. Let scripture guide your behaviour and let scripture guide your words. See, if we're filling up with what God is wanting to do, we live in a way that will be a testimony, but also we will have the words to actually be a testimony. You see that? We, we've got to fill up our own life first. And scripture will shape our perspective and scripture will shape our world so that we can actually speak in a way that will change people's reality and their destiny. See, words matter and they shape reality and influence. Now, like last week, I kind of ended at the point where... Because I'm really putting it on you to go, you need to be speaking words of life into the world that you live in. Some of you may, and maybe a lot of you are at the point going, but I... I'm feeling a bit empty, or I don't know, I, I, I'm feeling like I need the words that you're telling people to speak. So I want to end at that point, so I want to be, uh, encourage you a little bit as you are shaping yourself, because our inner words are important in shaping us. So what the words that we run over in our head are important in shaping us. Has anyone ever said in their head, I can't do this? This is too much? I can't go on? God, I don't know what to do. God, I want to change, but I don't know how. Maybe it's just me who said those words in my head. Like, but there's been times in my life where I kind of go, I'm filling my own life with doubt. And so I wanted to share you seven principles and, and verses that go with them to, to help build your own identity around who Jesus wants you to be so that you are ready to go out. And maybe this is stuff that you've heard for the first time. Maybe you're at a place where you don't, I, I need God in my life. I, I can't tell other people about God because I don't truly know him on my own. Well, this is a place for you to start. Because you need to remember, firstly, I am loved. You are loved. God actually has done all that he has done because of this one express reason. You are loved. Romans 8.39, part of the verse says, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, quick, quick picture of this. Basically what happens is that when we sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, did the wrong thing, basically it provided this huge wall in our way from coming to God. And we couldn't get through it. So Jesus came down to earth as the Son of God, entered into our history so that there would be no blockage for us to come to God and to know the life he had for us. Why? Because he loved us. So I am loved and you are loved. So th read these ones in your own head. Um, I am not alone. 
Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold up you with my righteous right hand. Now tomorrow you might go into your workplace and you go, I am so alone, I wish I didn't have to be here. You might go home this afternoon and feel exactly that. You may have um, husbands or, or people in your life who are, who are going away for work and you, you, you physically might be alone. This verse is for you. Maybe you are wanting to take a step in a direction for God and you're going, no one is behind me. No one is with me on this. You are not alone. Come back to that verse. Thirdly, I have purpose. I think, I see this for young people, but I see older people actually get stuck in the idea of going, I have to work to live and I kind of live to work, but none of it really inspires me. And then I see people who have grabbed life with both hands and going, you know what? I love going to work. I love living. I love doing things. The purpose is there. And with God, we need to remember we have a purpose. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now, just to explain that a little bit, is that you may have lots of plans for your life and you may think achieving those plans will get you to a place where I will feel the idea of success and significance and joy that I've been looking for all my whole life. But I'll tell you this, if, they miss, if you miss God's plans in that, I think you will miss that full life that God wants for you. The Lord's purpose is the one that prevails. And so when we're willing to get into the place where we're going, God, I want to do what you want me to do, I strongly believe that that brings about purpose and, and, and contentment in life that's beyond all other things. Um, number four, I am forgiven. Again, sometimes we think the sin that we have done is too much for the God that is so holy. That thing, I was one too, one too many things. Or maybe it was a hundred too many things or a thousand too many things. I cannot come back from that. Oh God, that thing that I did was so big, you could never love me. And sometimes we think, well, I'm never even going to talk to God about it. I'm never going to repent of that, say sorry for that, because God would be so ashamed of me. God has already seen it. And God still loves you. And God wants to forgive you. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, if we say, God, these are the things that I've done. This is the thing I've done wrong, and this thing, and this thing, and that one. Oh God, I forgot about these other ten that I did the other day, and I, I totally missed last year. So let me catch you up on those as well. If we come before God and we confess all that to Him, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins and purify us from our unrighteousness. So He forgives us what we've done, and He wants to cleanse the reason that we do it. He wants to cleanse our nature. He wants to purify us. Number five, I am bold. I am bold. I think sometimes, again, when it comes to sharing the words that God wants us to share in the world that we live, is that we think as Christians we're meant to be nice and timid in the corner and not upsetting anyone. Now, I think there are times that that does happen. I think even the disciples went through that. I think there's, there's the times that we need to be soft but being soft does not actually sort of is not always the opposite of being bold. 
Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked will flee, then no one pursues. But the righteous, the ones who are walking with God, the ones who are defined by God, the ones who are forgiven, the ones who are loved, the ones who have purpose, they are as bold as a lion. Now you may think, I can't do this in my workplace. I can't do this in my family. Then you need to go back to that verse and say, God, I want to be righteous. I want to be as bold as a lion. I want to walk into this place with your confidence in my heart. That follows, follows number six. I am empowered. Again, um, for those who have started the study, I don't want to talk about it too much because some of you haven't started yet, but there's each one of us to share his word. And this is what this, verse, uh, this idea is. God wants to prepare you, one with his spirit, two with experience. Uh, 2 Timothy, uh, Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. And if you think you are a timid Christian, now timid is not a good description of us, or should not be a description of us. But we need to have power, love and self-discipline. It's interesting that Paul has three, three descriptions to Timothy. He doesn't say just power, because sometimes people with power, they can be brutish. They can go into a situation and they just sort of tell everyone what they want to need to hear and then walk out. No, power and love. So I want to speak words of life into your life because I love you. So I'm going to say it in a way that you're going to hear it. Which brings in the idea of self-discipline. Saying the right words at the right time. So that we can bring life, change reality and steer a destiny. Do you see that? God wants to do something in us so that we can, through him, do something in other people's lives. And finally, this is where I'm going to wrap up for the day. I am enough. I am enough. Like, do you realise about that by yourself? Like, or is there still those excuses sort of piling up? You don't have one. You've got 50 there. That, uh, like when, when the pastor says you should be going out sharing your faith. But Pastor Keith, this, this and this and this and this. I am enough. You are enough. What you have in your life right now, God will give you people that you can share with. God may not take you to that person who is such a devout atheist that they'll almost punch you in the face and knock you down. He might take you to your friend who you care about that you're living your Christian life in front of and say, hey, what do you think about Christianity? What are you believing in life? What's your hopes for the future? Do you want to come to church? Do you want to come along to the next men's event, women's event? Do you want to come along to youth group? And all of a sudden you get to a place where we, we can see God at work and God wanting to change us. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves. Now don't stop there because some of you go, okay, that's, that's the words that you're repeating in your head. I am not sufficient. No, Paul goes on. He says, I'm not, we are not sufficient in ourselves to claim anything coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God. So we get to a point that we are enough because God is wanting to do something dynamic in us so that we can do that in the lives of other people. So that we can be, we'll use words of power to change them, to change their reality, to steer a destiny, and ultimately for them to come to a place where they will know the life that God wants for them. But for that to happen... You need to use your words. 
I say this to Caleb when he, he wants something. You need to use your words. You, you just can't whinge and cranky, be cranky about it. You can't just sort of live a good life and go and sort of, I'm going to just will the gospel into their hearts. It won't work that way. Live in a way that people will accept your truth when you speak it. But you need to speak it. And so again, I want you to be praying about this week. Who can I share my faith with? Who can I ask a question of? Who can I start that this conversation with? Who can I invite to church? Who can I, who can I be doing that with? Because again, if you leave this place and go, that was good today that Pastor Keith is going to be doing all that stuff in his life. You've missed a point. I'm asking you to join with me and all the others that Jesus has called to follow him to live a life that brings glory to God and to speak the truth and the power of the gospel to a world that needs it. Now, are you willing to be a part of that? Not really convinced. Not really convinced that anyone's willing. Are you nodding there? Mick will fall asleep. So he's nodding. Okay, we've got one up the back. Who is willing to be a part of the mission that God has called you to? Okay. Again, if we're in a meeting right now, I couldn't actually get a confirmation of that. I'm going to give a show of hands. Okay, so okay, how about, who is willing to be a part of the mission that God has called you to, to live a life that brings glory to God and to speak the gospel of power truth? I'm going to stand up. See, some people stood up excitedly. Some people, oh, I've got to stand up. The thing is, there's one thing a coach used to always say to me. Practice the way you want to play. We're talking about being excited about being part of the team of God to bring his gospel in the world. And some of us are going, oh, spice. Oh, if I have to. When are we finished? When's morning tea? Okay. okay. We talked about this. We need to be excited about the mission that God has given us. I'm going to be honest with you. You guys have got to be excited about this. So, so, we, we, we've, got to, so uh, we've got to get to that point where we're ready to sort of grab a hold of what God has for us to be a part of. You can sit down again. I'm going to pray for you. And then I want to just invite the team up as we close today. Lord, again, we thank you for the words that people have spoken in our lives. We would not be here if we did not hear your truth. We pray for people out here today that are, are searching for your, your words of truth, who are searching for your, the words of life that you have. Use people here to, to share those with the people that are here. But also use, use us, Lord. We want to give you permission in our life to take us outside of this place, in the world that we live, and to, to be your mouthpiece in our schools, in our workplace, in our streets, in our homes, to speak words that will change people's reality, We'll speak words that will change people's, will steer people's destiny as they come to know you and they come to know the purpose you have for them. I pray for the parents here who do that for their children, who speak the truth and speak your word over their children. I, I, I pray for the, the, the married couples here as they speak the truth to each other and they encourage one another and they care for one another for the desire to follow you wholeheartedly. I pray for those here who have the responsibility of, of, of training and teaching younger Christians coming to know you. But Lord, I, I pray that you would prompt, convince, and Lord, I give you permission to push those who are reluctant to step out and to pray and to speak your words of power and life-changing truth to a world that desperately needs it.
I pray that you're bringing a, a name to our head right now, a face into our mind of someone that we can begin to share with so they would know the fullness of the gospel, that they would know you and that they would know your purposes both now and for eternity. And so Lord, we pray this in your mighty name. Amen.